It is not vague that this movie is about her sexuality and the panda represents her sexuality. So a lot of people got that and they, they ended how controversial the movie was at that. If that's what the movie was about, I would think it was a wholesome, good message. And in one of the core things in the movie is she is breaking from that because she is accepting her sexuality. At the end of the movie, she decides to not seal away her panda. She thinks that she needs to embrace her panda and make it a part of her everyday life. And this is to represent the traditional Chinese culture's rejection of sexuality and her embracing of sexuality. The core conflict of the plot is she wants to go see this boy band with her friends, Mm -hmm. but she cannot afford to see this boy band with her friends. So her friends get together and they advertise her panda to her panda to all the other young kids in the school and the young kids pay to interact with her panda. But it's not that she has no scruples at all. There is one boy who is a dick and she doesn't like this boy. And so they have this boy pay an exorbitant amount to have the panda be the main attractor at a party that he is hosting. So it's saying, one, use this new sexuality you have found to pay for your lifestyle, i.g. OnlyFans or whatever these days. If somebody is a jerk, what if they are paying a ton? Ah, that's where you really need to go all out with the panda. Would you like to know more? So, hello, Simone. So we are going to do an interesting video today because I really liked our Barbie video. Anyone who hasn't seen our video of Barbie being the most based movie ever made, I genuinely believe that. It is an, an insanely based movie. Like, the point that... Ken learned specifically, like, and I think it was an intentionally based movie, that Ken specifically learned about the patriarchy from a high school bookstore. They could have made it anything. They could have made it a regular bookstore. They could have made it TV. They chose to make it like what a conservative conspiracy theorist would make it. Like, why did they do that? But watch that if you want to see that. We're going to now talk about another video because people have been like, oh, you should talk about this one. You should talk about this one. I'm going to talk about the show Turning Red. That time where Disney accidentally made a movie promoting Epstein-like behavior. I'm going to have to keep finding euphemisms for what we're talking about here. And a movie <laughs> that genuinely terrifies our sons when they don't they don't flinch at Starship Troopers, Jurassic Park. Turning, no, they turning ran red out of the room at Turning Red. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we were watching it again last night and our son Octavian was like, I can't, I can't watch. And he runs out of the room <laughs> because you know what? Female puberty is terrifying. And there's genuinely, genuinely few things Um, that are scarier. So before Mm -hmm. we go further, I need to make a confession. Turning Red, if you haven't seen it, if you watched a bunch of people being like, oh, this is a woke movie or whatever, you shouldn't watch it because wokeism. And so I don't don't watch movies because of wokeism. It's woke as hell. But it is a great movie. And let's just, for those who don't want to watch it, but maybe still want to watch this, the gist of it is it's about a girl who hits puberty and happens to turn into a giant raccoon when she feels sexual urges basically well a red panda which is technically a raccoon okay right, yeah a red pa- fine a red panda yes a red panda i love and that you mentioned the actual species name because a lot of people don't know that red pandas are actually a subspecies of raccoon but anyway continue 
Yeah. It's um, not a tanuki, by the way. It's a red panda. But anyway, continue. Yes. So, yeah, tanukis are super different. Come on. So basically, whenever she she becomes emotionally aroused, but also sexually aroused, she she turns into this panda. It turns out that it's this hereditary family trait that she sort of her her ancestor her female ancestral line has supernaturally inherited. That it has you know great power, but with great power comes great responsibility. And her traditional Chinese parents, especially her traditional Chinese mother, decides to be very, very protective of this young girl as she hits puberty and becomes a panda. But this young girl, with the help of her friends, figures out a way to master it sufficiently to get a little bit more leeway from her mother, continue going to school, do after after school okay, activities. You don't need to get the whole plot away. We're going to do that in our discussion, okay? Okay, okay. So you're just plot describing here. This but is one the thing premise. I wanted to start with, which I think is really important, it's a lot of people have this innate disgust or negative reaction to woke media, um, where they see woke media and they think it, uh, woke media was toxic messages, and they think nothing good can come from it. And I really take a different perspective than this. I actually think a lot of woke media can be both fantastic and have good messages. Mm -hmm. Now, Turning Red, I think it's fantastic from an entertainment and setting perspective. For example, like it, it takes place in the 90s, like late 90s. If you grew up in the late 90s, it was such great nostalgia for me. The songs they have from boy bands in it, which are a major focus of the show, are just perfect. I almost wish there was a genre of like this style of boy band music that I could just go listen to tons and tons of songs of. Yeah, they're very catchy. But like yeah. boy band songs made for the movie. Yeah. Oh, and they're great. They're really good renditions. Very catchy. I, I could watch them over and over again. But it's not just turning red. So like another show, for example, what's a few others that I absolutely love that are woke? The She-Ra rework. Oh, I thought it was fantastic. Which is funny because this is one of the shows that was constantly complained about by one of my favorite YouTube channels, which is Clownfish TV, which does like takedowns um. of like woke comic book culture and comic book translations and stuff like that. And they hated the Shira rework. Oh, they did, didn't they? They eviscerated it. Shira. So Shira is actually fantastic. I, I I think the rework of Shira is fantastic. I love the way they framed it. I love the pacing of it. I pretty much love it through to the end. I'm going to be honest, I even love the the rework of the character design. A lot of people were complaining because some of the artists for the show before it launched were like, "Oh, we are going to desexualize Shira. We are going to make an iteration of Shira that's going to make men mad because it's going to be such an unsexy version of Shira." And then they have like multiple lesbian makeout scenes throughout the show. It is way more sexually charged than the original. As you can see from these images right here, to show you how far the romance goes in the two shows and how sexualized the characters are drawn in the two shows, with the more modern rework being much more sexual. Why doesn't uh, the woke stuff get to you when it got to them? <sighs> Because there are woke, terrible shows like the new Star Wars and stuff like that, oh, where they yeah. make it woke and soulless and it just feels corporate. Well, the, the next and one's going to be so shows. awful. Did you hear the interview oh. with um, the director who was like, I love making men uncomfortable? Oh, that's the director of the next one. Yeah, the next one. It's going to be terrible. 
It's going to be terrible. terrible. It's going to be terrible. These are people without any talent who are another show that is often considered extremely woke that I actually think one has good messages. Hmm. Otherwise, a pretty entertaining show. If you take out the filler is Steven Universe. Steven Universe is fantastic. I'm sorry. Like anyone who says like the songs in it are great. And I'm going to post what I can of songs here. Can't you see that my relationship is stable? I can see you hate the way we intermingle. But I think you're just mad because you're single. Everything they care about is what I am. I am their fury. I am their patience. I am a conversation. Because I, I, I think like the deep down, I know that i'm just a human true but, but you i know, know that, that i can draw my sword and fight with do it for her song is fantastic with my short existence good i can make a difference yes excellent i can be there for him i can be his knight deep down you know you weren't built for fighting but that doesn't mean you're not prepared to try you actually started crying the first time i played that song for you because you felt it was so personally relevant for you what they don't know is your real advantage when you live for someone you're prepared to die the stronger together song in in the show and we might do another episode on this. They treat this alien species instead of marrying somebody or having a, a relationship with somebody, they combine into a single entity. And I think that that's very much like the way I think about our relationship and that they show how like you can have toxic iterations of this entity. If I had someone to fuse with, I'd... Come here, brat! Oh, don't fly off so soon. Lapis! Lapis, listen. Fuse with me. What? Come on. Just say yes. Lapis, don't do it. No! Now you're my prisoner, and I'm never letting you go! Yikes. They are really bad for each other. I can't stop thinking about being fused as Malachite. How I used all my strength to hold her down in the ocean. How I was always battling against Jasper to keep her bound to me. But it's not like that anymore. You don't have to be with Jasper. That's not it. I I miss her. What? We refused for so long. But she's terrible. I'm terrible. I did horrible things. I, I thought I was a brute, but you, you're a monster. I... Let's be Malachite again. Why would you want that? I was terrible to you. I liked taking everything out on you. I needed to. I, I hated you. It was bad. It'll be better this time. I've changed. You've changed me. Or you can have some individuals that try to form these really giant entities, but it causes some problems where like multiple of them combine. Everything like that. Is it, to me, it's a very good metaphor for relationships, and it does a lot to teach kids about positive and non-positive relationships. While, of course, biasing it towards same-sex relationships because that's what they're trying to push. But because they're doing it through aliens, 
I don't think they have a real same sex relationship on the show. Like humans have relationships on the show, but none of them are same sex. So what's funny is because it's aliens and these aliens don't really have gender in the way that we have gender. They're all females. They don't actually promote same sex relationships. And I think the way that they think they're promoting <sighs> relationships that hadn't occurred to me, but you're totally right. That's really weird. Another thing about the show that's really interesting is a lot of the fans hate the show because they don't like the Rose reveal. Users who are watching this aren't going to care about this, but it is if you know about the insider politics on this. It turns out that one of the main characters was basically both manipulating all the characters and to an extent the audience through gaslighting them about her being a good person. Literally, she was always basically a selfish and manipulative person. Mm -hmm. This is so horrible. Rose wouldn't have done this, you know, everything like that. And I'm like, no. The show just did such a good job of showing you what a female gaslighting you and manipulating you into thinking that she was someone other than what she was, was like, that when the reveal happened, you couldn't accept that this is the experience that many men have gone through and many women have gone through over and over and over and over and over again throughout human history and throughout our society today. And so you just chose that it was bad writing when actually I think it was very good writing of what a manipulative, self-centered, narcissistic person is like. Good grief. Actually, the show has a kind of pronatalist message to it, at least insofar as pronatalism is defined against life extension as the goal of intergenerational improvement, in that this narcissistic character is so narcissistic and so self-centered and so completely irredeemable as an individual that she can only redeem herself through her death and the creation of a new person who is her son, who is a redeeming character. And, and because she's an alien and because they can't reproduce in the way that humans reproduce, when she reproduces as a human, what happens is she ends up reforming as herself as a son. And just to give you an idea of like how bad of a person she is, she, for example, has a friend who was made to keep her happy, who she leaves for millennium to rot on a planet because she gets bored of her but lies to her and tells her that they're playing like a, a hide-and-seek game. I actually think that the reason the fan base took so much umbrage to this particular twist and began to sour on the show in general is they misunderstood what the show was about. One of the core themes of the show, which I really liked because I thought it was interesting and fresh, is what female cruelty looks like. So often in shows today, the big bad is a male or is cruel in a masculine sort of sadistic way instead of in the often, the, the way you are more likely to see in females, which is the narcissistic self-centered way and the destructive relationship way. Here in the garden, let's play a game and very still This'll be so much fun. And then she smiled, that's what I'm after. The smile in her eyes, the sound of her laughter. Standing alone as thousands of years go by. Night after night, is this how it works? Am I doing it right? Finally something, finally new about how the story ends. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that cool? And isn't that cruel? And aren't I a fool to have 
Let's get on to turning red. Turning red. Yeah, well, we got to fill our run time, you know, Simone. Anyway, turning red. Fantastic show in terms of just like the plot arc, the the animation, everything like that. Although it's California bean mouse style, if you're familiar with that. But anyway, I'm going to talk about how it actually is. This. So in the show, Simone is right. They repeatedly set up that her turning into a panda is an analogy for her puberty. This is very well established in the show. And not just her puberty, but her sexuality. So what you learn is that the previous women in her family have learned to seal what is the analogy of their sexuality in a pendant, right? And then become good wives or good moms or whatever, right? Like just normal good people. Female roles in society by sealing their sexuality with an appendant and having it no longer control them. Sorry, but what you also learn is that she, so, so, so this is the way it starts, right? You know, she's beginning to go through puberty and it's very clear that it's a puberty. There's a number of period jokes, like her mom showing up at, at her school with like a tampon or something and waving it outside the window, like obviously mortifying to her, you know, so there's a number of like there, this is not vague. This is not our interpretation that the panda is supposed to represent one, her sexuality into puberty. And keep in mind, sexuality is a very important part of this movie in the way in the, the core way it's represented is their desire to go see a boy band that they have regular sexual fantasies about. And one of the early scenes is of her like drawing this boy band that she has like smooching them and stuff like that. Like obviously they PGify it, but it is not big. Okay, his shoulders are kind of nice. His eyes are fine. what triggers her first conversion into giant red raccoon yes it is not vague that this movie is about her sexuality and the panda represents her sexuality so a lot of people got that and they they ended how controversial the movie was at that can you believe there's a disney movie about periods if that's what the movie was about, I would think it was a wholesome, good message. Yeah, it would be that's kind of boring. not but what happens in the movie. That's no. not the end of the representation of no. her sexuality. No, in fact, so, it's 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 like the opposite. I almost find it kind of annoying because I'm like, you know, it would be really nice if there were like a fun, playful movie about female puberty. But this is only about one aspect of puberty, female puberty, and it's not even like I would say the most common aspect. So but hold from, on, hold on, which is loss of emotional control, which they haven't talked about, but also horniness. But hold on, I gotta go. No, further. no, Malcolm. Sorry, it's it's a lot more than that. Like law, like for most, for many young women. Okay, for me, fine. But like many mm-hmm. young women, it is nothing to do with discovering sexuality. It is everything to do with periods and pain and being gross and having pimples all over your face and being depressed and hating your body and like basically the only thing that happens to the female lead in this movie is she her body changes yes but in a way that as we will discuss further in just a second people actually really find quite appealing so her yeah, body's so, different so, but it's, it's as if she only just like grew giant tits and that's what female puberty like is. the south park episode the baby's boobs episode but anyway hold on i've got to go further with this because this is okay. actually so 
if you take the plot assumption, which is which is very accurate, the panda represents her sexuality. The rest of her family and traditional Chinese culture rejects female sexuality. And in one of the core things in the movie is she is breaking from that because she is accepting her sexuality. At the end of the movie, and this is important to know at the beginning here, she decides to not seal away her panda. She thinks that she needs to embrace her panda and make it a part of her everyday life. And this is to represent the traditional Chinese culture's rejection of sexuality and her embracing of sexuality. But then when you take this in mind and you look at the other things that happen in the plot, it gets really, really disgusting. So let's talk about the plot here. So the core conflict of the plot is she wants to go see this boy band with her friends. Mm -hmm. But she cannot afford to see this boy band with her friends. Well, and this is after she attempted to get her parents to convince, like, well, convince her parents that it was okay, very professionally and very openly mm -hmm. and honestly to say, hey, mom and dad, can I go to this concert? They first said no. So then she decided she, with her friends, was going to defy all of their parents and they were going to somehow get the money themselves and sneak out and see it. Yeah, so, so it starts with, I'm going to defy my parents and do this thing related to my sexuality that they don't want me to do, which is very mm -hmm. clearly this boy band thing. So how do you think she gets the money to do this? Um, so she um, first is, is she has learned that all of the young girls at the school, all the young boys at the school are sharing pics of her as a panda, um, pictures of her in panda form, i.e. her sexuality, have a strong desire to engage, to rub the soft fur, to hug, to take pictures with, to share as a status symbol within their local high school, her sexuality. So her friends get together and they advertise her panda to her panda to all the other young kids in the school. And the young kids pay to interact with her panda. But it's not that she has in no scruples at all. There is one boy who is a dick. And she doesn't like this boy. And so they don't let this boy pay to interact with the panda. But then they realize that they are short for the money to go to this concert. And so they have this boy pay an exorbitant amount to have the panda be the main attractor at a party that he is hosting. And he gets special access to this panda. So it's saying, one... Use this new sexuality you have found to pay for your lifestyle, i.g. OnlyFans or whatever these days. Yes, this yes. will be shared through the internet, right? If somebody is a jerk or you disagree with them ideologically, restrict Charge their more. access, mm -hmm. uh, so long as they're not paying a ton. Mm -hmm. But if they are paying a ton, ah, that's where you really need to go all out with the panda. And her parents and her family are the core thing that is preventing her from selling herself to this boy, right? But she sneaks out late at night when nobody's paying attention because they all think she is a good girl. Oh, um, yeah. Like, because in, in the, the after school time that she is doing this activity, you know, selling pictures and time with classmates. Is the panda. She tells yeah, her, her parents mom. believe that she and her friends are have formed a mathletes club and are doing math. So... Well, they have an elaborate system for hiding that she's selling her panda, yes. which her parents don't think is appropriate for anyone to even see, which 
Of course, that's the point of the analogy. But why does she sell it? Why is that how she makes the money? Why did Disney not realize what the image they were pushing with this was? Why did they not realize that selling panda pics is a problem when pandas are a representative of going through for her sexual awakening and her embrace of her sexual awakening? But it gets worse than all that. It is so much worse. Like, every aspect of this movie is so internally depraved. It is aghast at me. So, Simone, you were pointing out when they when the movie happened, is she found a way to control the panda, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what's and interesting, and I didn't pick this up the first time we watched it, was that the way that she controls her panda isn't by, like, what you would normally think of, like, meditating or thinking about her core values it's it's about thinking about her social network and friends which is very well the approach is very actually female puberty right because i mean that's yeah. that's kind of what you're like hyper driven to focus on when you're a teenager is your peers yeah so social approval it's all of her friends saying that you are okay the way you are and i appreciate that and she lies to her parents about this as well she says to her parents that they are what she's using to control these these outbreaks mm -hmm. but it's really social approval which again i think is actually a pretty good metaphor for puberty but also maybe not a great message for young girls to, to push that. Another really interesting thing is overall within this, and you, you, you keep seeing this, is that women in this movie lack emotional control. That is a yeah. core aspect of women. Women are, one, abusive to other women. Like this is seen through her mother's interaction with her. Oh, or the fact that her friends pimp her out. Yeah, for money. Well, she doesn't pay for her ticket. Sorry, I should make this clear. It's not that her friends have some other means of paying for this, like their families, and it's just that her, because her family has rejected her, needs to pimp herself to us to pay for her tickets. She has to pay for the tickets of every single one of her friends, and her friends are pressuring her into selling herself so that they can buy tickets to the boy band. Mm-hmm. Right. So her friends are toxic in that way. Her mother is way overprotective. I mean, her mother arguably is one of the reasons why she's doing all this in the first place. When she pitched the idea of just going to the boy band concert to her parents, originally, her father was like, why not let her go? Like, this seems fine. This is a very well-reasoned argument. You know, it's music, whatever. And her mother and the was- the mother was basically it. abusive to the father. Like, she scolded him. She was cruel, completely unnecessarily. The father throughout this is a paragon of what I would say fatherly masculinity is. Like yeah. actually a very good masculine role model for people who are in this world of child masculinity, which is Andrew Tate masculinity, which mm -hmm. is not the masculinity of a man who's in a married long-term relationship. He is this the is, rock this, of the family. He which is, is interesting because if you're not paying attention, you just mm -hmm. assume that he's the hapless father trope. Of just the like, well, I don't know that I'm just here. I'm just the dad. Like, don't mind me. You know, it's like that common trope, right? Where like the dad's kind of just like shoved off to the side. Whereas like in the end, he models the most responsible, empathetic, kind, and reasonable mm -hmm. behavior, right? Well, and part of me wonders is why did a progressive write a man in this way? In a world <laughs> where like only women matter. Only women have special abilities. This is, mm -hmm. th there's actually this scene that like really got me when it was talking about the beginning of how the panda came about, right? And it said that all the men in the local community had died 
fighting to protect the community. And after that, it was a mom and her daughters, and she needed to find out how to protect her daughters. And so then she started praying, and then she got the panda powers. And I'm like, why didn't she get the panda powers before all the men in the community died? Did every like is that how disposable men are in your viewpoint that you just let in this fake story that you made up? And you could have framed it any way you want. She could have saved her entire community. She could have had male and female children. No. She only had female children and all the men had already died trying to protect her before she decided to pray for these panda powers. And then she used them just to protect the daughters, right? Like there is a deep level of misandry throughout the entire movie. Men's lives don't matter. But even within this level of misandry, and I think you see this was in misandric communities, this man is still something that they dream of and wish existed and pine for. And it's really sort of sad to see this representation, but also see even within their world, he is treated with such consistent and constant disrespect mm -hmm. by his wife. The daughter clearly respects him, but the wife just has no respect for him. And they see this as just or accurate. I, I, I don't know, but it is it is weird that they think that they are portraying a message where women are good. If anything, for a man watching this, this is why you should never get into a relationship. Women won't view your lives as mattering. They won't care that you died protecting the family. And that if you're a man, you'll just constantly be ber berated by your wife for being reasonable and trying to do what is in every instance the best thing for his daughter. Well, so maybe the film creators were just giving fair warning, you know, just nipping into the bud. You will not be yeah. respected in your relationship. Don't bother. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about it, Steven Universe is the same way. Greg Universe, Steven's dad in the show, is by far the most mentally stable and responsible human being who in the in the entire show. Which is really shocking. And, and, and what he is put through by all of the women in the show is really interesting as well. He, for example, is made to be a single father. He is forced to, it's implied heavily or maybe outright stated, that he has to pay for the living arrangements and all of the stuff that all of the Crystal Gems are using. So he has to get a job. They live separately from him with his son, and he has to pay for their lifestyle. And this entire time, he is nothing but just a great and decent human being. Yeah. But just throughout it it's, it's an interesting and twisted message sell your body you know of course right like that's how you should lie to your parents sell your body all social validation comes from your your network and if you are selling your body just make sure to not sell it for cheap if you're selling it to someone you hate or ideologically disagree with that's where you really need to get those big bucks make it rain i gotta do a little video scene in the song where they have the girl making it rain well they came to win the game kids you got it and if you are lying to your parents, the best way to do it is to pretend like you're doing something like mass leads or something like that. The way she gets her parents on board with the mass leads is saying that she doesn't have a diverse enough. What's yeah, the word? That just getting into college on academics will not get her in. She needs to have extracurriculars as well to be rounded out. Mm. Be manipulative, be a snake. Yeah. And it's, it's not for a good thing. It's not like she's trying to save a family member. She's trying to see a boy band that she's horny for. Yeah. 
as one review said, it's one of the horniest movies I've ever seen. I, I won't say it's as horny as Baldur's Gate 3. You know, I said Baldur's Gate 3 was good. I actually take that back. Baldur's Gate 3, when I was playing it, it was just too aggressively horny, which is why I love Rogue Trader so much, the, the Warhammer 40k uh, game that I've been playing more now. But I, I stopped recently because it gets kind of bad after Act 3. Too bad. But, sorry, I... I am a video game, anime, everything like that, nerd. What are other woke shows that are actually surprisingly good? The the reboot of Voltron is fantastic. For people who haven't seen that, it's on Netflix. It's, it's great. It's woke. Somebody's like gay in it. Somebody's a girl and he's not in the original. It is great. Um, what other woke things? Any other oppressively woke things that we really like? I totally forgot Owl House, which is fantastic. Sometimes someone gets so brainwashed, they think the reason people hate woke media is they hate the groups that woke media uses to deliver its indoctrination. This would be like if a wife found a bunch of lesbian porn on her husband's computer and got mad at him for it, and his takeaway was, wow, my wife really hates lesbians. No, she does not hate lesbians. She hates the way you chose to use lesbians. People who say they hate the woke media really have a problem with just the quote-unquote woke media, not race swaps, overwhelming minority casting, or even underage lesbian relationships. With the three examples I am thinking of here that I have never seen chastised within my online circles being Into the Spider-Verse with Miles Morales, Black Panther, or Owl House. Now you might say, nuh-uh, I can find an example of someone complaining about it. And like, sure, it's the internet, of course you can. I hang out in these types of online spaces where people complain about woke shows, and I can guarantee you that if somebody started bitching about Into the Spider-Verse, they're going to get their ass handed to them by the majority of the community. Side note before we go further, Owl House is an amazing show. Yes, it has an underage lesbian relationship in it as a major plot point, but that is not in some effort to include seditious agenda. It is just because the individuals creating the show are so immersed in that culture, I do not think they could authentically write anything else. Which is a shame, because to my understanding, the studio, Disney, ended up shutting down the show early as a result, even though I saw no significant blowback against it online when contrasted with things like the Castle and Kennedy projects, which are the bad, soulless advertisements for the urban monoculture kind of woke that people actually hate, which keep getting greenlit. If you think the majority of people who complain about wokeness in media actually have any animosity towards minorities or the LGBT community, you have either been manipulated or simply refused to actually engage with these groups as human beings. There is a reason the urban monoculture makes a point of shunning anyone who is caught publicly talking to the quote-unquote enemy. Because if they did, people might actually realize the groups that they are dehumanizing as deplorable rednecks are real humans, whose base is often more socially and economically vulnerable than the other base, and who have real grievances, and most importantly, whose actual demands are sensible and measured. They hide this from you by only showing you the most egregious of what that group is saying and then shunning anyone who is seen talking to that group, so long as they can find one extra naughty tweet the person made, which of course you're going to find with pretty much anyone in this group because they do not engage online like they have Gestapo thought police living over their shoulders. To use an analogy we've used before, 
To think of those complaining about wokeness being inserted into media to spread the urban monoculture as having an actual beef with minorities or the LGBT community is a bit like a Gazan thinking Israelis have an actual beef with people in hospitals. If you don't get what I mean here, Think about the quote tied to the new Star Wars being produced. I love to make men uncomfortable with my work. Now this shows that she wants to make the work actively antagonistic to quote-unquote men, by which of course she means men who have a right-leaning perspective. Now, if she decides to put a ticket in and make her name a gay! Any diverse woman in it, make it safe. But Mrs. Kennedy, ba Bambi's a baby deer. Fuck baby deer, put a ticket in, make her gay! Linguini and clam sauce. Uh, excuse me, I believe I asked you to put a chicken in this and make her gay? Uh, yes, the chef was a little confused what you meant by that. It means put a chicken in the linguine and make her fucking gay! And I want it lame! Men within that demographic group are going to come off as sounding like they are mad at gay people when nothing of the sort is true. They are mad that somebody used gay people in an attempt to hurt them through meddling was a work that they personally identified with and that meant a lot to their personal self-narrative, maybe because it was important to them growing up or something like that. I mean, I think a lot of media has become woke and depending on what it is, like just woke in terms of like how it's cast and, and the types of roles and- Is Gravity Falls woke? I don't think so. But like, I think how, how we define woke is it like sort of becomes overtly, like it, it breaks, the, the fourth wall enough where you like lose your suspension of disbelief because the, the woke is being shoved so vigorously down your throat that you're like, well, wait yeah, a second. I, I mean, this has ruined some recent project. A great example of this is one of my friends, Aaron Estevez. Anyway, so he uh, was the showrunner, the guy who created Avatar The Last Airbender. Great guy, really interesting. He was in the initial class when I was accepted into Stanford, but I delayed my acceptance for a few years, but I hung out with him. And then I went to see him at Riot because he went to work for them for a while. For clarification, I haven't talked to him in years, at, especially since I started doing anything that was remotely controversial. So don't anyone like try to pull that connection there. Um, yeah. Really great guy. Anyway, so he he then created a new show that just absolutely destroyed me. I hated it. When you watched it with me, it was terrible. It was this world was like magic and dragons and stuff like that. But the thing that killed it no. is they did what I call race explosion, which is they had like these mystical worlds, right? But like people of different ethnic groups were like exploded throughout them. So you would have like a medieval kingdom where like you'd have white people and black people and Asian people. And I was like, oh, how, how did this happen? How are they still uh, distinct ethnicities if they don't have racism and they're all living amongst each other? This constant questioning that's going in my mind, right? Okay, here's how you solve it. You could say that because the world is magic, people are, regardless of their parents' ethnicity, born into one of a few predefined ethnic groups. The problem with this is then their ethnicity doesn't have any real value within the world, and you are essentially erasing minority groups. Yeah, so it's not a great answer, but it could at least plausibly allow this to happen. Also, you would have to arbitrarily choose which ethnic groups people can be born with. And I guess they would be born at a rate that mirrors the rate of that ethnicity within a city like San Francisco. So this would allow for mixed race people to also be born 
born in this world? I, I don't know, clearly I'm overthinking it, but I'm trying to figure out how you could have a world that for thousands of years could have no racism and different races living alongside each other and yet still have a bunch of unique ethnic groups that mirror those of a major U.S. city right now. Whereas I think his first work, Avatar The Last Airbender, did this really, really effectively. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, there are different ethnic groups and even ethnic groups that are not often addressed in our society today, like, you know, Inuit people and stuff like that are really prominently featured in it. Um, then you have the Chinese group and you have the Japanese group and you have the Tibetan group. Like those are the three groups, Tibetan, Japanese, Chinese, Inuit. So, you know, I'm not at all like a white supporting show or anything like that fantastic because these groups are separate they have unique cultures i learned to understand them and where these groups do mix i understand how they've mixed and how they've mixed intergenerationally and it creates this extended lore that is interesting to me this is the way you be woke efficaciously you focus on ethnic groups that people haven't spent a lot of time focusing on and you explain how a world where they are the dominant groups interacts with each other like it's almost sort of sci-fi right like it's taking a hypothesis what if the world was divided into chinese japanese Inuit and Tibetan and these different groups had different powers that were associated with them and that they had to learn how to engage with each other and accurately racistly I would almost say the Japanese turned out to be the genocidal maniacs um, and they tried to take over the world no really what happens when the Japanese attack their country even looks like Japan I can't get over this right but 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 then in this other world, it's like racial explosion. It's like, that's boring. And you see this recently. And this is another thing I want to rail against is the random ethnic casting in historical dramas that, that people think is okay. I don't like it. And I think it lowers ethnic contributions to historical context. A great example mm -hmm. of this is Catherine the Great. Great show. It's on Hulu where they do like a modern funny rendition of Catherine the Great. But they do like a multi-ethnic casting because they're like, well, we'll be, you know, we'll have a random like Indian and African casts in this historic context where they wouldn't have been. But here's where it really, I think, undermines the role of different ethnic groups is Catherine the Great actually interacted with real Indians real africans real people mm, so you but, have you have trouble when like it's a it's based in a real historical period where the nature of different racial and ethnic groups interacting was meaningful and very interesting and yeah, that's they being could have had meaningful scenes where an indian person comes to court and they are engaging with this or an african person comes to court which really happened during Catherine's reign. And this is actually something where they would have these individuals come onto stage in the show, like an Indian person or, or somebody of one of these far Russian ethnic groups that is really quite distinct from the Russian main ethnic group. But I wasn't able to tell that these characters were meaningful or that their culture was meaningful because they had shotgunned random ethnicities into the core of her court. And so they were not able to I highlight how these 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 ethnic interactions were actually interesting and meaningful and highlight people who if i was an indian and i was watching this i would have been like oh this is how indians engage with and interacted with the Af the the Catherine the great court but instead i'm seeing an indian actor and i'm like obviously this person historically wasn't indian well i don't know that really bothers me i just ignore it and i i mean if like the that show was meant to be a comedy. So I watched it for comedy and costumes and same with shows like Bridgerton that 
have this like really, really diverse cast. I'm just like, whatever. Like this is, this is about romance in the case of Bridgerton. This is about comedy in the case of it's called the great. Right. So like, yeah, whatever. I'm just not, I'm not going to worry about it, but yeah, I do. I do think that the takeaway though with with this ethnic erasure of these actual communities. Yeah. But that's what the urban monoculture is all about. The urban monoculture wants, as you say, diversity in victims but not in in culture so that that would be even erases diversity of victims it erases the indian minorities that were within the russian empire and needed to petition to the russian government right no but that they don't care about historicity they care about a humorous show they're trying to highlight that oh fancy people can be of all backgrounds because that's how we work in our society now and that's it like they're they're not thinking about historical accuracy and the move that the show wasn't historically accurate it wasn't supposed to be historically accurate it was supposed to be funny and it had some genuinely very funny moments uh, a little too cringe for us but like genuinely funny so i, I thought know, it was genuinely it. funny i wouldn't even say cringe it was good the great is great yeah it's, so it's there you show. go there you go oh, but i would just say was like a movie that she made that was a full movie that was also pretty good Oh, no, you're what thinking about again? the, no, you're, it's, it's not obviously about Catherine the Great. It's about one of no, the- No, not Catherine the Great, the person who made Catherine the Great. She also made a movie that was a historic movie. And when I introduced Catherine the Great to you, I was like, you should check out this show that's like this movie you watched. That I think was about like Queen Elizabeth and like a gay lover or something or- I haven't seen it, but we have to wrap up. So any final okay. thoughts on Turning Red? Just a great- show from an entertainment perspective not necessarily something i would show my kids all the way through because i think it has a bad message for young women and it's interesting to me where like people end up inserting messages into shows like that this could have gotten greenlit that nobody said wait is the plot here that they're selling their bodies for sex like is is that actually the plot like did nobody that nobody thought through. They were so impressed that it was a plot that included female coming of age and puberty and periods that they didn't think to question the implications of the rest of the plot. Yeah, which is amazing. Or maybe there is just some subtle campaign to get girls on OnlyFans earlier and earlier and earlier so they can make money and become empowered. Don't you understand? Right, so that they can pay for concert tickets. Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Anyway, Malcolm, I love you so much. Yeah. Love anyway. you. And <laughs> love we'll you get too. Kids. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll go with you. Let's go down together. You're so lovely. And we'll walk through the snow hand in hand. Oh, oh no! Romantic. So I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. Malcolm is the best, and I love him. Malcolm is so pretty and so cool. Malcolm makes every moment special, and we all love him. Don't be cruel. Don't you understand that Malcolm's the best? Why don't you all watch his YouTube channel? Don't be a loser and hit subscribe, because Malcolm is really, really great. I need to put that at the end, don't I? I need no. to have three of you singing for the air. Can you do one of your songs? No, we're going to go back to where we were. So they eviscerated okay, okay. She-Ra. She-Ra.